0: I'm going to invite all of the children that are here today to come forward so we can visit for a little bit. And I'm going to ask all of you to come up, even adults if you want to, you're more than welcome, um, so I can not be sitting up here all by myself, right? Come on up. Oscar, is that it? It's midsummer. I'm glad we have children here today. You never know. So come on, gather around. I wonder if there's some kids coming up from the nursery. Maybe, we'll see. Hey, guys, why don't you come sit right here? I can barely see y'all. You come sit around here. You can put the pillow on the ground there if you want. How's that? How's everybody? Good. Hey, you guys, Gil, Cupcake. Y'all did. A, you guys did a great job reading. Thank you for that. So our gospel this morning. Come on, Bridget. Come on. <laughs> I scared her. I'm pretty scary. <laughs> so, our gospel this morning. Um, the story that Travis just read. Have y'all met Travis yet? Say hi, Travis. <laughs> He is? Oh, lucky you. So anyway, the, tr- the story that Travis read to us this morning begins with a man asking Jesus what the most important thing is that he needs to know. All of the lessons that Jesus has taught over the, the months and the, the time that he's been teaching, what is most important? And Jesus asks, answers him by asking. Does this ever happen? You ask a question and somebody answers it with a question. Well, that's what Jesus does. And he answers He asks him what he thinks the most important thing is. So, what do you all think? What's the most important lesson that you think Jesus taught us? Don't be shy, Beckett. No idea? Oscar. Love, good answer. You've been paying attention, love, right Beckett? Love. Here's a little tip for you. If I or or Travis or Brian or Jimmy ever ever sitting up here and ask you what the answer is, whatever the question is, the answer is always love. Love. So just remember that. It's really easy. So the man added a little something after that. He looked at Jesus and said, um, love God, love God with everything you have and everything you are. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that's actually three things in one big commandment. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself, yourself, right? And all of those are really important. In fact, I would argue it's hard to do any one of those things without the other, right? It's important. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. And then the man asks an interesting question. Do you remember? Did we all listen to He says, what? How do you get right, that's his first, very first question. And that's, you love. You love God. You love your neighbor. Uh, uh, how would you define neighbor? Yeah, wow. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> Good job, Gil. Yes, how, who is your neighbor? So who is your neighbor? Tell me who your neighbor is. You have two neighbors? Okay. Okay. Gil, who's your neighbor? I interpreted, the story is that, uh, well, I interpreted the story that uh, uh, anyone that is helpful to you is your neighbor. Very good. Gil, you can just come do the children's sermon next time, okay, because you are really paying attention. It's <laughs> pretty impressive. Did you all pick up on that? Okay, good. That's right. That's right. In Jesus' time, a neighbor was defined pretty c- c- tightly. It was basically somebody who was a member of your, your group, your t- your clan, your tribe. And so the idea that that neighbor is more than that was pretty radical for Jesus. Any? Yep. That's okay. That's all right. Sorry, anyone else have anything to add? Okay. So Jesus answers the question by telling the story. We call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. Have you ever heard of a Good Samaritan, that term? It means somebody who is helpful to other people, right? And so there is, he tells a story about a Jewish man who is robbed and beaten and left on the side of the road, half dead, left for dead, right? not that awful? I feel so bad for that guy. And to make it even worse, people walked by him, and they saw him, and they just kept on walking. People that we think should have stopped, like people who were elders and leaders in their faith communities and were sort of surprised by that, that they wouldn't stop and take care of him. And then finally someone did stop. Who stopped? Does anyone know? Is that what you're going to say? The good Samaritan? A good Samaritan. What is a Samaritan? Does anyone know what a Samaritan is? I wouldn't think. <laughs> a Samaritan very simply is somebody from Samaria. That's a place. It's a place in the Middle East. Here's the important part about being a Samaritan. The Jews, remember the man on the side of the road was Jewish, and Samaritans were enemies. For generations and generations, their people were enemies. We don't really, they, you know, there, there were some differences around religious, how they practiced their religion and how they lived their lives, and they had just grown into enemies. And I bet a lot of people at the time didn't even know why they weren't supposed to like each other. They just knew that they weren't supposed to like each other. So the Jews thought of Samaritans as less than they were, that they weren't as important, that they were dirty that they didn't deserve the same sort of kindness and respect and dignity that everyone else deserved. That's hard, right? But it's really important to understand this story because it was the Samaritan man who stopped to help his enemy, right? Somebody that he didn't know who he was, he only knew that he was going, he was in Jewish territory and most likely was a Jewish man. And it turned everything around. The story is saying, it's the Samaritan man, the person that we think is not as good as we are, that stopped to help the man. And he didn't just stop. He bandaged his wounds, and then he took them, and he put them on the back of his donkey, and he took him into town, and he cared for him overnight. And then the next morning, he gave money, a lot of money, a whole day's worth of wages to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him while I'm gone. And if it costs more than this when I come back, I'll pay the difference. And then he went on his way. That's a really kind thing, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is telling us in this story. We can't, it's more, it's not enough to just be kind to one another, the people in our tribe, the people in our group. We have to be kind to all people and people that we might not even like or know, strangers. And you don't go talking to strangers, I know that. But we need to extend that kindness and that love to all people, right? It's a pretty simple message. It's an easy, easy message, but it's not always easy to do. Because sometimes we have to go out of our way and be kind to people in ways that we may not feel comfortable doing it. So how can you, how can you be a really good neighbor? What can you do? Mm. Don't know? Don't know? Yes. Yeah. You're you yeah. So, like, if you're at school and there's a little girl you don't like, so yeah. Her, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. That would be a lovely thing to do. You can be a neighbor to everyone, right? That's the message. We can be a neighbor. Everyone is our neighbor, right? It's hard to do, but just keep that in mind because that's what Jesus is telling us. Just go out there and be kind. Treat people with respect. You don't have to like everybody, but we are called to love everybody, and that seems kind of counterintuitive, right? We have to love. That's, that's the trick. So I'm going to send you all back on your way. Because Jesus, as Jesus said, go and do that. Do likewise. Do what the Samaritan man did. That's the trick for you today. And I'd love to hear when I see you all next some nice little kindnesses you did in the weeks ahead. Okay? Just think about it. All right? I'm going to send you back to your seats. Thank you all. Thank you for your help. Um, I'm not done with you all yet. Hold on. Thanks, guys. Let me put myself back together here. All right. This seems to me to be too important a message to let go. So I did a sermon at 8 o'clock, and I'm just going to recap some of what I talked about there. We all like to think that we would stop, don't we? But would we? Would we stop if we weren't sure we, would, we were safe? Would we stop if we didn't know who the man on the side of the road was and we believed the person might do us some harm? Would we stop? Would we stop if we were hurrying to some important meeting or some important event and people were waiting for us? Would we stop? Would you stop? The Samaritan man stops without concern for his own safety or worry about his schedule. He stops even though he was on his way somewhere, and there are probably people waiting for him. He pushes his own needs to the side to help the beaten traveler. He stops, and the Samaritan man not only stops, but he bandages the man's wounds, and he goes out of his way to take him to the nearest village, and he cares for him during the night, and he reaches into his own pocket and gives his own resources a good deal of money and asks the innkeeper to watch over him, and that if it costs more than that, he'll reimburse him when he gets back. The Samaritan man sacrificially gave of himself, his time, his energy, his resources, to benefit the Jewish traveler, his enemy. Jesus tells us through this story that a neighbor sacrificially gives of himself or herself for the benefit of the other, shows mercy and kindness, generosity and love, that 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 is what it is to be a neighbor. Let's look at this passage for a minute from a modern context. Let's say a guy who supports Trump because he really, really likes his immigration policies, right? And he's traveling through Texas, I don't know, somewhere, right? When he's attacked by robbers. They strip him of his clothes, they beat him, and they leave him on the side of the road. And a nice Baptist preacher passes by him on the side of the road and sees him and keeps going. And then a deacon of the church passes by him on the side of the road and sees him and keeps on going, right? And then an undocumented Mexican worker passes by him on the side of the road and he stops and he cares for him. And after he's bandaged his wounds he, wounds, he puts him in the back of the truck and he takes him to town and he cares for him during the night. And then he leaves, I don't know, $250 with the innkeeper and says, Take care of him for me. I'll be back. I'll be back. <sighs> Who is my neighbor? change the characters. An Israeli Jewish man is robbed and a Hamas member saves his life. A liberal Democrat is robbed and a conservative Republican saves her life. Or a white supremacist is robbed and a black teenager saves his life. A transgender woman is robbed and an anti-LGBTQ plus activist saves her life. A Christian fundamentalist is robbed and an atheist Saves her life. Who is my neighbor? This parable tells us exactly what Jesus meant by loving our neighbor. To love our neighbors, we must show mercy. We must work to ensure that the material, physical, spiritual, and economic needs of our neighbors are met through our actions. We cannot see and pass on the side of the road. This is what Jesus is calling all of us to do. We have no choice. As Christians, we have no choice. We cannot see and simply pass on the side of the road when there is a wounded man on the side of the road or a black man shot at a traffic stop or 46 men, women, and children found dead in a truck in San Antonio or 19 children and two teachers gunned down at a school. Or seven innocent lives taken at a 4th of July parade. One youngster orphaned, another <coughs> paralyzed for life. <clears throat> we cannot claim the mantle of Christianity if we see injustice and cruelty and prejudice and oppression and pass by on the side of the road. We are called to love our neighbor, to be a neighbor, to rehumanize those who have been dehumanized by our prejudice and our discrimination and our lack of understanding, to love and respect all people, especially people who are different from us, different ethnic group or culture or class, a different religious background or worldview. This is more important today than ever. We are living in a difficult time in our country and in our world. We are deeply divided politically, socially, and theologically. It feels like we are on the cusp of something existential as a country, dire and scary and deeply unsettling. I wonder, I wonder what the future holds for us as a country. How will we find our way back, find common ground again? I would submit that as followers of Jesus, we have a critical and probably unique role to play at this time in our history. We're called to love our neighbor, and our neighbor may be a Trump supporter or a pro-choice activist, a card-carrying member of the NRA or a pacifist, an undocumented Latina or a passionate supporter of a border wall, a no-growth NIMBY or housing, affordable housing advocate. How do we love them? Like Jesus did in his time, We live in a culture of fear and power over. Bell Hooks, an author and social activist, called this the dominator culture. We might call it the patriarchy, right? A culture based on power and scarcity, winners and losers, tribalism and fear of other. This is the world Jesus railed against, and this is the world we need to rail against. In teaching community a pedagogy of hope, Hooks wrote, that dominator culture has tried to keep us all afraid, to make us choose safety instead of risk, sameness instead of diversity, moving through that fear, finding out what connects us, reveling in our differences. This is the process that brings us closer, that gives us a world of shared values of meaningful community, to build community requires vigilant awareness of the work we must continually do to undermine all the socialization that leads us to behave in ways that perpetuate domination. Jesus came to teach a new way, a different way, based not on power and fear or scarcity and need, but on love, radical, revolutionary love. love is not about domination. It's about giving fully of ourselves, not power over, but relationship with, not fear of other, but welcome. We are a people sent into the world to spread God's love, to offer nurture and sustenance and care to the vulnerable, to love our neighbor, to build communities based on mutual respect, nurture, and love, to love our neighbor and to recognize that. Everyone, like Gil said, everyone is our neighbor, right? We cannot see and pass on the other side of the road. This is what Jesus calls us to. So are you ready, each of you ready, to love your neighbor as yourself, to stop on the road even when it is inconvenient, to help a fellow traveler, are you ready to speak up when you see an injustice to spread God's love to the ends of the earth? Are you ready to enter into relationship with the other to find what connects you and revel in your differences? Are you ready to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself? Who is your neighbor? The one who showed mercy go and do likewise.